What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. We are here again after a, what is it, Parker? Two-month break? Two-week break? Yeah, I mean, we did one. Um, and then before that, it has probably been like a month or two. So we've been slacking, that's for sure. But uh, we've been very busy. I so knew you were going to say that, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say every time. But yeah, we, we've actually been busy. So Well... We're back again with another podcast, just checking in with everybody. We have George here. What's up, George? What's up? How are you? Good. Welcome back. Very good. Are you, uh, what is this, the second appearance on the podcast? Second time, yeah. Nice, dude. How's it feel? Feels great. Are we I feel like, in my, I'm in my comfort zone. Are you? Wow. No. Wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Natural born podcaster. So the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot going on, um, obviously, with the agency as far as social media goes. And... Uh, it's been kind of crazy with all of the current events happening in the world. But the good thing is, is that as things kind of progress, we are, I'd say, staying a lot more consistent as far as getting new people coming on board for social media. Because yeah. obviously, Parker, your amount of clients has gone up. George, your amount of clients is going to go up in a couple of days. You can see that the market's kind of shifting to where people are like, okay, we got to spend money on marketing again. It's time to go. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm seeing a pattern that just started. Yeah, which is good because it was definitely like, obviously with the whole virus and everything, it was definitely a little bit slow. Mm -hmm. And uh, But yeah, it's going back up. I think people are recognizing that even in a time like this, they need the marketing. You have to have marketing yeah. to get your name out there so people can see that, hey, we have a product, we have a service. This is, we're, we're still here. Like people are still in business, you know, and I think it's tough because thankfully we're in a position where we're okay and we're, we're, we're growing, but... Can you imagine the people that you have to be shut down? Like our barber that cuts our hair that comes here, he his job is to go to a barber shop every day and go there from nine to five and cut people's hair. But the barber shops in LA County are shut down. So you can't even be open. Yeah. So those guys that run those shops, there's no money coming in. So you got to either have a lot of savings or your business is gone. And every yeah. day I follow business weekly on Instagram. Every day, it's like, oh, Brooks Brothers is going out of business. Oh, this company just went bankrupt. This, like, everyone's filing for bankruptcy. And it's not just small businesses. It's huge corporations, too. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, I, like, definitely think, like, a lot of those big corporations have, like, issues if, like, a couple months of, you know, less income really affects them that much to where they go bankrupt. I think that's, like, probably something they should have fixed way before the whole virus started like what's that one air suspension company oh accuware accuware yeah like so many people were like nah they were probably dealing with issues like way before the virus like the virus is just like something to send them over the top you know yeah i think that a lot of people just weren't prepared whether it was a small business or a big business that you th you, you don't think that you're just gonna stop and it yeah. happened for a lot of people and it's it's not easy to deal with so i'm very thankful that we're all still here because yeah. at one point it was pretty bad. It was yeah. like, what are we going to do? Yeah. I think the gyms too, like all the gyms, are closed. some might not even open back up. And I don't even think I want to go back to like a gym. I think I want to do like home, just a home gym. I mean, Honestly. with how it's going to be moving forward, I'm curious to know on like public gatherings, like movie theaters. And you, you look at yeah. Vegas right now and everyone at a poker table has a screen between them. Yeah. <laughs> like that's insane. Yeah. That's crazy to see that, but that's how everyone's going to have to adapt and, even watching Formula One championships when they hand them the trophies, they have a robot. Yeah. There's a robot. They put the trophy on, goes up to Lewis Hamilton. He goes off the podium, grabs it, holds it up, and that's it. Damn. 
There's no more contact with anybody. I didn't even see that. Yeah. We got a robot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no one in the stands. It's a weird time for sure. Yeah. It's very strange. But on a positive note, let's talk about cars right now. So the last few weeks I've done a lot to my car, but I want to hear about Parker's because the last thing I think we spoke about was you got a, a Sparco Pro 2000. Yeah. How's that been so far? It's literally like, I think it's the best mod that I've kind of ever done in a car on my 335 i never touched the seats and i didn't feel like it was really necessary because i wasn't planning to track that or anything whereas like with the e46 i'm gonna probably go to buttonwill as my first track day maybe sometime in september um so the sparko made sense to me even though it is my daily driver i just deal with it um same way with that you do, like you just deal with the bucket seats. Yeah, um, dude, I love them. I, I prefer them for my daily. Yeah. It just I mean, feels better. My lower back hurts when I'm in the car for like over an hour, but like nothing a pillow can't solve. You yeah, know? dude, I'm the same way. I have a cushion in my car where if I start feeling any pain, I don't feel any pain until like after three hours. Oh, really? Usually if I drive to San Diego and by the time that I get down there, there's a, a little bit of lower, but like not really anything. You just adjust. Yeah. But then on the drive back, Cause I usually go see my mom hang out for an hour or so then drive back on the way back. I'm like, okay, this is maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but if I get out and stretch and I have a pillow, I could do four to five hours. No problem. Yeah. But I, I have driven before for a long time and it does get a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. But I think the trade-off is worth it because like whenever I want to drive the car aggressively, everything's ready, yeah. you know? And so I did that seat and then I got new federal tires, the RSRRs, which I like, they're pretty loud, but they're super grippy, so I don't really mind it. Yeah. And then um, I've done a couple other things. Um, and then I have ISC Solo I almost said Solo Works. That's what <laughs> I used to have, but I have ISC N1 coilovers that I'm going to be putting in probably next week. Um, I've just been waiting on those reinforcement plates. And then I got Turner Motorsport uh, aluminum pedals that I got to put in. Nice. So there's a couple more things coming, and I'm kind of looking around for wheels and an exhaust it's probably the next step and you exhaust. want super sprint right super sprint or status group those are like the two but super sprint i want more because it's so loud but it gets like the perfect tone of the m3 i think yeah they're catless ready so it'd be loud that super sprint i want to do the super sprint this is the ideal setup so i have catless euro headers right now i want to do cpi uh rasp, rasp terminator section one and then section two, I want to do the super sprint uh, non-resonated. And then section three, I want to do the super sprint race muffler. That's a lot of different sections. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot a lot to the E46 and 3 exhaust. Three, three sections, not including the headers. Jeez. Yeah, the combinations are crazy. You could probably yeah. go all out with it. People, people have so many combinations, which there's a lot of people that want to delete the rasp. There's like rasp deleters. Mm -hmm. Some people like the rasp. Yeah. But the combinations are... Oh. I talk about it in my new blog. Yeah. Well, that's what I have with my car is that I have, so I've had 10 different exhaust setups now. And just yesterday I did the Evolve test pipes, uh, with my OEM X pipe with Velvetronic muffler with the OEM headers. So there's a lot to it. And I've gone back and forth because there's three different things. There's the performance side of it. There's the smell side of it and there's the loudness of it. So there's those three things that I look at and it took me 10 tries to get it right. The first couple yeah. tries, completely straight piped, is just stupid loud. Like you yeah. got, you could hear me from a mile away just pulling up on like cruising mode. Uh, and then there's like just running the muffler, which is too quiet. You just can't hear the car. But then when you run 
the muffler, the, like the, the Veltronic muffler, and that's it, you lose all like 30 horsepower from having OEM cats on it. Yeah. So I went through all these setups and now running primary cat delete with OEM X pipe with the Veltronic muffler is perfect. Like yeah. I found the exact setup that I want. And there's for daily driving. For daily driving, yeah. And there's no smell. It sounds perfect. And I'm I'm happy with it all around. And the performance is crazy. I have an extra thirty horsepower now. It's crazy. So it opens up the car. So George, how about your car? You did the headlights recently and what else? Yeah, I did some eBay headlights, a little budget. And that's about it. I'm just doing maintenance, trying to keep it keep it nice and clean, nice and minty. How many miles are on it? I uh, just hit ninety thousand. And what year is it? Oh, 2004. So it's a 2004 E46 3 Series. Yeah. With 90, that low of miles. And it came out. Yeah. And it's manual. And it's manual. Dang. I, yeah, I guess the first owner had it as a collectible is what I heard. Yeah. And the second owner drove it a little bit more. So that's why it has, has a little low miles. But I love it. I'm just trying to keep up, keep up the maintenance with it. Yeah. That way when I sell it and get something new, I can get as much as possible. That makes sense. What do you want next? Um, I don't know. I haven't thought of it. <laughs> yeah, he talks about it every day. You're dreaming of E46 M3. Yeah, I am. That's the goal. I'm working toward it. I think um, it's looking good soon. I just, the market mm-hmm. is kind of crazy right now. The prices are kind of high. And a lot of people are selling, actually, because I think because of COVID, yeah. unfortunately. But just looking on the market, and if a nice one hits the market, then I'll probably go after there was a nice one in las vegas i see nice ones in las vegas all the time there's an emola one one in las vegas for lower under 15k and it had like a hundred thousand miles that's pretty good yeah bc coilovers and had nice mods as well for those cars you don't really have to look out for high mileage like it's okay right i mean yeah those engines can last like a like pretty long time because a lot of owners have over 200k miles on them yeah i think i've seen one that had 250k miles like you just have to keep up with um obviously rod bearings is also sort of an issue not as bad as the s65 but um you have to keep up with the valve adjustments because they're uh mechanical valves i think Mm -hmm. not too educated on that but and then Make sure the Vano system is good, which usually you can like bulletproof it and it's solid. But yeah, they don't have a ton of issues. It's actually a pretty reliable M car. As well as the subframe too. Those three things are rod bearings, the Vanos and the subframe. If those three are if those three things are done, then that car is probably like fifteen K over fifteen K. That's didn't one of your friends just sell us Laguna Seca blue? I saw it on TikTok last night. Yeah. What, What was the spec and mileage? Do you remember? It was it was Laguna Seca blue on with a Dove interior. Uh, it was SMG. He manual swapped it with all like OEM parts. Um, he, I think he did the subframe. I'm pretty sure he had the Vanos done. This is just what I can remember. I might be totally wrong about this, but yeah. And it had like 80 K and he listed it for around 30 K. And I think that's it. what he got. And, but he bought the car for 15 from some old lady that didn't know what she had. So he made bank on that car. He drove it for a year and made 15K wow. on it. Well, he spent money on all the mods and stuff. But. but still, to be able to have a car like that, put some money into it and enjoy it and then make money on it, yeah. that rarely ever happens. Yeah. Unless you buy like a Pista or something. Exactly. Damn. And then he just got an M4. So. Oh, okay. It's pretty cool. What do you think about that choice? Uh, I would have kept the E46 M3, but like. Yeah, same. I don't know. I think he wants to do more of a track 
like a really fast track car build. And I guess I think the M4 is really good for that. But I'm currently just like in love with the E46. So yeah, the body lines and the overall car and the driving experience, I think is very, very connected with the E46. Yeah. And I think having that short of a wheelbase, having that, like that's a pretty small car. Like when you compare it to my E92, yeah. that's a very small car. So it's much more nimble. Mm. And I think that the price point for budgeting um, car parts and like mods, it's it's not that bad. Yeah. So I think that even though it's a BMW and you compare it to like an E92 or E90X, you can get a lot of car parts for good money. Oh yeah. And they're pretty good like out of the box. Like mine only has simple mods and it's, it's pretty great. But... You can also go over the top like a lot of the E92 guys do and just do, you know, BBK. Yeah. Just the most expensive parts, do a, a stroker motor. You can do all that stuff. And then, but they make great track cars just like the E92s and E36s. If you guys didn't have BMWs, what would you have? If I had the money, I would get a Cayman GT4. Yeah. I think that's like the dream. That or like a Cayman S with the PDK. Because GT4 is only coming manual, but yeah, after driving fast car, I think I've talked about that before, but yeah, yeah, that, that car just feels so, it's so small, so nimble and the steering is amazing on it. I think it's weird to say, but I like the windshield the most. The windshield? I love how it's like curved. It's it's a big bubble and then he has the Porsche banner across the top and you're like, dude, I'm in a cup car and we're just going to get Boba and Irvine one time when I went with him. (laughs) The thing is crazy. How about you, George? Um... That's a good question. There was a while back where I wanted, I found on online a Nagaro Blue S4. I think it was a B6 S4. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful, manual. And they come with the Recaro seats from the factory, but That's they just it. have the timing chain issue. And uh, I think that car, I, I wanted that car back then, and I thought it would probably. Yeah. still look out for one. that's a great car it look it's it's a great looking car that color too with yeah. that spec i had a couple of friends that ran those back when i was a little bit younger and you could do like a tune downpipe e85 and not just having the speed but those cars sound so cool they have a v8 as well yeah so yeah i wanted a rs4 and a, yeah. B, a b6 or b i don't know the model of it but i have the a4 version of it right now and i loved rs4s yeah manual v8 that's the most comparable car to what I have right now. They're expensive. I know. They hold value like crazy. Yeah. There was a couple at a car show the other week that we went to. There was a couple there, and they're, they're nice. They're nice cars, especially the RS version. Mm-hmm. The RS is just, the RS Audis are just so nice. I've RS never sick. been an Audi person, even though I, I own one. I even never, though you own one. <laughs> I know. I don't, I, do, I just, I don't feel, like I've driven S5s. I've driven R8s. I've driven a lot of different cars. You know, there was one time I drove a Novatech wide-body R8 twin-turbo, and it was a full carbon-body car. And I have photos of it from a while ago, but that was kind of cool because it was terrifying. Mm. But anything other than, like, crazy modified cars, like, you Olsen had his R8 last time. I've seen yeah. with the roof rack and ski stuff on it. I like that stuff, but I've never been like, oh, my God, I need one. Yeah, the only, like, Audi that actually is kind of, like, interesting to me, not the only one, but... One that I definitely want to buy eventually is like, I think it's the, it's like a 1980s Audi, like, I don't know if it's the S200 or Audi 200 or something like that. Is it like a five cylinder? Five cylinder turbo. Yeah. Those things are insane and it's all wheel drive. <laughs> like, I bet the launch on that is so fun. <laughs> I just see so many like rally videos of, yeah. of those cars or people who turn like 
build them up to like a thousand horsepower and it's all wheel drive. So they just launch like crazy. You spin in fourth. And it, that <laughs> engine sounds so good. It's like a mini V10. Yeah. You rev it out on the rev limiter. I yeah. love every gear. I yep. love that car. You can do, I, I remember seeing uh, Ken Block. He, he built a car like that and they did like a simulation of it. And the zero to 60 is like 2.1 seconds. Yeah. But it's because rally cars have gear ratios that are so short. Yeah. Like they probably top out at 90 in sixth gear. But they don't they don't need to have top end. They're just trying to rip through the forest. Yeah. And speaking of rally cars, we uh Parker and I have been doing sim racing pretty often. I just uploaded um eight videos this week to my gaming channel and Parker and I've been playing back and forth. But uh, a couple nights ago Parker came over and he downloaded, I think, um what did you play? Oh, you played dirt on yeah. on your on your server. How was dirt that? For? <laughs> uh the game's pretty fun. I don't like rally games that much because like i don't know I, I feel like i'm not great at them if i was yeah. good at them i'd probably like them but They're hard though yeah They're really like, hard yeah like i've played nate's nate has wrc i don't know which one but i played that and you get the hang of it but it's just so different from something like f1 because f1 you got to be really smooth and like precise you make corrections and stuff but it's not like chopping out the wheel at wrc or any of those rally games you're just constantly yeah. fighting it <laughs> Which is fun, but it's exhausting. George, do you have experience on sim racing? I played uh, Nate's recently. Oh, you did? Yeah. So I was I played the WRC, and I told Parker, I was just like messing around. I told Parker and Nate, I was like, man, this is going to be cake. <laughs> I thought it was going to be easy. <laughs> this is going to be cake. And then yeah. I started hauling down some, some dirt roads, and y you can't keep, it doesn't stay straight. Like the force <laughs> feedback is crazy. You're just fishtailing the whole time. Yeah, that. It's fun, though. I yeah. think it's, I think. I remember when I first got my sim last year, the one that I built previously, that wasn't even direct drive. And like the first 10 laps, I was so over it. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, yeah. I, this is so hard because it's a literally a sim. It's yeah. a simulator of driving. And you have to be very patient with driving with racing simulators because you have to tune not just in-game settings, but if you have a direct drive system, if you have a steering wheel, if you have like seating position, monitor position, and then... Once you start driving, you realize how much, uh, I guess, variations of, of tuning you can do because the difference between rally, drifting, NASCAR, GT racing, Formula One, not to mention the stupid things like the ATVs and the trophy yeah. trucks, like yeah. not stupid, but it's just way off from what we do, is that you have to tune everything for that kind of driving. Yeah. Because when you drift, you want to have the steering wheel be able to spin and throw back feedback. When you're in F1, you want to be able to have it heavy so you can really feel the car. Yeah. So it depends on what you're doing. But after, I think, when you spend, let's say, 10 laps with one car at one track, then you start, like, calming down. You're like, okay, maybe I can do this. Yeah. But you switch the track and you switch the car and you have to relearn everything again. Yeah. So that's a mindset you have to have going into it of, like, okay, don't get mad if you spin out on every turn. But then the next yeah. one, oh, I spun out four times. Next one, only two. Oh, I didn't spin out this lap. And then you learn from that. I think the like most important thing I've learned jumping into like a new car or a new track is over you should be over braking basically or like brake almost earlier than like the braking zones because I I I kept overcooking it basically just like understeering into corners or oversteering out of corners and usually I think it just comes down to like calming down and just braking more and taking corners slower yeah and then like accelerating when the car gets a lot straighter 
Damn, I wish you would have taught me that when I started. <laughs> Parker's like, here you go, dude. Yeah, dude. Only use one eye. <laughs> I, use the, I use the walls to break. Exactly. <laughs> you got to slam on the brakes and almost like break into the into the corner. Trail braking is helpful. Well, I think having driver's line on is extremely helpful. That's the comments I always get. Like, turn driver's line off. I'm like, it's not fun. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have it on until you know the track, like, really well. Because basically, like, in F1, I won't turn them off. I won't turn them off unless I know yeah. the the track really well. And the way I kind of gauge how I know a track is, like, if I know the gear for each corner. Like, if I, if I know, oh, it's the top of second gear, I go into this corner. Oh, it's the bottom end of third, I go into this. So, stuff like that. Do you think you can do Australia with no driver's line? Yeah. Big time. I could too. I could do Coda. Yeah. I think I do Coda in Australia, but anything yeah. else like maybe Laguna Seca. But I, I just uploaded a video of us racing M8s um, around Laguna Seca, and I think the reason why I think I could do it now is because we did three sessions at Laguna Seca, five laps each, and I'd say realistically by the eleventh to twelfth lap, I was comfortable. Yeah. But the first half of it or three quarters, I was like, I'm having a hard time. Yeah. It was like a 138, 139. And then we ended up finishing the night at like 131. Yeah. So it, it takes time. But I, I want you to try more of it, George, because it's really, really fun. Yeah, I want to. Yeah. It's fun. It looks hard, too. I like that you have to learn. It's not just so straightforward like any other kind of video game. Like if you race like Forza, regular Forza, you just, you know, hop on and you have fun. With this, you actually have to learn and put in time. Yeah. Well, I've implemented these techniques into my driving and my M3. Yeah. Like I went to the canyons at Angeles Crest and I played the um, simulator for an hour before I went. And I got to the um, canyons and I was super confident. I'm sure I had to learn a little bit differently from my braking compared to an F1 car. But yeah. it was the same implement of like, how do you carry speed through a corner? How do you learn to not brake and transfer all the weight instead learn how to carry that through the corner. Because when you go into a corner and you brake really hard, all your weight transfer shifts from the back of the car to the front. Mm -hmm. If you can not brake and hold onto the weight, you can transfer that through the corner. Yeah. And I implemented that into my driving and it, it made me feel um, confident going through canyons a little bit faster. Definitely. Yeah, there's there's so many like little things to like track driving and just performance driving in general. I, I've been watching god i forget the channel i think it's like driver 61 or something like that and he's like an actual like coach and he's been doing it for years and years um and he has like a lap record at one of his local tracks too so he's a really good driver but he does a lot of videos on like the technical aspect of like how to actually push your car harder and drive faster um which a lot of it is like very unconventional and doesn't seem like you know it would make sense but it does make sense once you like break it down like Trail breaking is like the thing I've been talking about recently. And like, I want to, now I want to go to the track and test it out in my own car. Yeah. Because I've seen like how it works on video and doing a little bit in video games, but I want to do it in real life. So. Yeah. I, I think you can learn a lot from watching other people. And I, I enjoy having something new to learn because I've been watching videos on sim racing. I've been doing it myself and I'm like, oh, instead of looking in front of me, I should look at the next apex because then I can carry speed. Because usually right now I'll look straight down and figure out, okay, where's this apex? I shouldn't do that. I should be looking way far ahead. That's why F1 drivers with the halo, everyone's like, oh, how do you see? They're looking way beyond the halo. It doesn't matter. They yeah. see what's coming up from you know another 100 yards away. So I I'm enjoying the challenge of learning something new. 
And you yeah. got you both. You guys are learning right now with uh, making your own websites. Mm-hmm. How's that going, George? It's good. It's yeah. great. Yeah, putting out a few blogs. I love writing about like just writing about the cars. Like I usually talk to the owners a good amount before I post, but a lot of that information that we talk about goes unused. What's the What's the whole gist behind like What's your website and what are you doing exactly? Basically, it's a. Uh, I'm going into more detail about the builds that I post on my Instagram. So, so you, you run a page E46 hub. Exactly. And you give shout outs to people with E46s. Exactly. Okay. So I don't really only focus on the cars. I like to focus on the owners as well because the cars, there's so much more that goes into a build. You know, like I'm sure you know, you can post a photo of your car on Instagram and it'll get likes, but nobody really understands the money and the time and the effort that goes into it. So I like talking to the owners, getting some information on stuff that they, that they enjoyed, uh, upon building it. And I basically put that information out on my website. Gotcha. And then Parker, you're doing the same thing too with uh, a new, a new project with BMW builds. Yeah. So I started M54 builds, which I'm, I think we talked about plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, I started M54 builds like beginning of last year. And I basically like, um, I grew that Instagram into kind of what it is now where I was just featuring different M54 powered BMWs. And uh, it was as simple as that, just kind of showing the parts on the build. But yeah, kind of giving like a vague, vague idea of, or like the best parts on that person's build. Um, And I made a website with it and I tried to sell parts and stuff and it didn't work out too well, even though I had like a pretty decent audience. So this new one, BMW builds is kind of like the evolution of it basically. I think it's better to hit more uh, or just kind of all the BMWs. I don't want to be limited just to M54 powered cars. So yeah, BMW build is something I've been like thinking of for a while. And then Spencer started his blog. So inspiration came from him. He has spencerbrookgarage.com and uh, where he's basically writing articles and stuff and putting affiliate links. And um, yeah, so basically like this new website, was inspired by Spencer for sure, because that's basically what I'm, that's what I'm doing as well. So I'm writing about all these different builds and putting affiliate links on the parts and stuff. So hopefully I'll see a return on it. I'm not sure though, cause I just posted my first article. I think you will. It's just time. I mean, yeah, I started the Spencer Burt garage because I was like, dude, I have so much information to give to people, but in written format and yeah. I needed a place to be like, okay, if you want to learn about how to fix your drive shaft issue on your E92, here's the part, here's the part number, here's a picture, here's a video, and here's a podcast of us talking about it. Yeah. So there's all, there's the four points of written, photo, video, and audio format in everything we do. So I hit all four points of content. Mm-hmm. So I think having a foundation to post everything helps me a lot. And organic SEO where sure, like, you know, you have 16K on E46 Hub and you have, you know, what is it, 3,000 on your personal or or how much is it on N54 now? N54 builds is like 16.7. So you have that following. Then I have my following, which I've had for years. I've been stuck at 159K for two years now, which I'm very thankful for, but I want to get to a million followers and not just Instagram, but TikTok and Facebook and YouTube. So the the way I look at it is how how do I generate traffic that they don't know who I am. So then I get yeah. new people coming in. So the website ideally is, yeah, sure, I can do a swipe up link, but I want people that are gonna search uh, BMW Motorsports flag. How do I get one? Oh, what's the best steering wheel for a Fanatec direct drive system? Oh, I have an article on that. So I want my 
my results to pop up first. And the next thing I know, I get a thousand impressions a month from people who have no idea who I am. And then they convert to buying affiliate links as well as following my social media. Yeah. So that's the goal behind mine. I'm glad that I can inspire you guys to do a website because that can be a fun project and passive income and give you more reason to make more content. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. And it's fun too. I love it. You know, even yeah. if nobody read the, read the blog, I loved writing it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fun to kind of learn about different, different builds and stuff and yeah, meet new people. Like I met uh, this guy that owns this champagne quartz F80 and, you know, he's talking about going to Laguna Seca in December and there's like a possibility I might meet up with him. So stuff like that. It's always good to make new connections and, Eventually, I want this to be like a big community. Um, we always reference Obsessed Garage, but like that's such a tight knit community. And it's not even the fact that, you know, people are buying so much from him, but it's just a cool resource to have. Yeah, you know, I agree. So. I mean, I think we're uh, the, the goal I have is I just posted an Instagram story today. We got one minute left, but I posted an Instagram story today that tagged all of your accounts, your accounts and my accounts and all of our websites so people can see what we're doing. I think surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded, motivated, and who can bring each other up is the best thing you can do. So I'm here to help you guys, and I know you guys are here to help me, which I appreciate. But I think if if we have these couple things we're working on, all we have to do is stay consistent. It's yeah. very straightforward. Every day, uploading content, responding to comments, doing our thing that we love doing, yeah. and it can be our career and only grow from here. I hope so. I, I know so. Yeah. So it's just a matter of being consistent. But yeah, that's going to do it. Thankfully, we did another podcast. If you guys can, go ahead and thumbs up the video, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Peace. We should see you at the same time.